0: Good morning and welcome to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8, or 88, wherever you are. I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you're kicking goals. I hope that you're killing it, living it, winning it, doing whatever it may take to be following Jesus today. My name is Lawson, and across from me I've got none other than Blair. Blair, have you got a second child yet? Not yet. No, it's it's, it's, it's still waning. It's it's it's, it's Every day, the anticipation builds. It's getting closer, And I was pretty like, oh, you know, this is probably going to happen. But my money is on, not that I'm a gambling man, not that I bet, but my, my proverbial money is I think today's the day.
1: Well, look, I, I've been thinking maybe Mother's Day because what better day for, <gasps> you know, Sunday? Incredible. What better day for a mother to become again a mother Yeah, Mother's Day? How does but Emma my wife's feel not about keen that? about yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> She's not keen. She doesn't want to share Mother's Day with uh, the birthday of her
0: child. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> hey, uh, oh, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, I tell you what. God is good. Amen. Uh, I think I think God is good from the perspective that I'm just like, yeah, just inundated with study. But you know, just getting through, getting it done as you do, uh, and you're you're just chilling. You're just.
1: Yeah, well, I've, I'm starting to take a bit of leave now to get ready for the baby. And oh, yeah, that's awesome. I'm, 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 I'm cruising into a, a slower, yeah, a slower season.
0: Yeah, that's right. Although yeah. it
1: will be intense in different ways other than work.
0: So are you going to have what kind of birth are you guys going to do? like hospital?
1: Yeah, it's it's a kind of um, uh, home slash hospital version. Oh. Yeah.
0: So so you think give birth at home and then go to the hospital?
1: Uh yeah, it's something like that. There's like some sort of um midwife group that's yeah, look, I don't know the details. You're just I'm you just, I'm just you on just for the help make that thing, you know. It's <laughs> just like hey
0: look, I, I did I did my part, uh you know, and I'll continue to do my part, but however it comes out as long as it's alive, praise God. Amen. You're listening to the Breakfast Joe podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And Blair. You're going to give us another clue for the quiz. A first clue, in fact. I I got on track yesterday, and now I've fallen off the wagon again. Mate, we're going to give our first clue today
1: Uh for for the most uh, entries to our week-long quiz. And it's a Who Am I quiz. The first clue is this. In Luke 3.38, I am called the Son of God.
0: Mm.
1: Who am I? If you think you know the answer, you can text or call the answer through to 0491 and you can get your name into the draw to win our weekly prize this week, which is three of the Jungle Doctor book series. And there's some great books in there all about Paul White, who was an Australian missionary doctor in Africa and taught, uh, shared Bible truths and, in uh, parables and things like that. And so... Definitely worth getting your hands on. So that clue one more time. In Luke 3.38, I am called the Son of God. And if you think you know the answer, you can text us through to 0491
0: Absolutely. Hey, 0491 064 is the number to call a text, as you just heard. And again, this, this clue is a bit more obscure, but as we work our way through, they'll become easier and easier. But if you get it correct right now, Then you will get a higher amount of points and entries into the quiz. Hey, Blair, what is happening in the world of positively different news?
1: Mate, uh, one story that is amazingly positive. In fact, police are calling it miraculous. Oh, wow. Yes. Um, Police have found a missing woman by the name of Ricky Mitchell after eight days lost in North Queensland bushland. Eight days? Eight days. So it's really quite... um, Fascinating how this all kind of emerged over the last week or so. Um, so, Ricky Mitchell, she was 38 years of age. Um, she was last seen at a rest stop in Reed River between Townsville and Charters Towers on May two, mm-hmm. and uh, basically um, her uh, partner had uh, dropped her off there, and then he had gone to do um, to grab something and came back. She was going to have a little bit of a swim here at this rest stop. And uh, when he came back, she was missing. Mm. She wasn't there, and um, and so this launched a massive search. Police and SES volunteers uh, they did a land and air search all around the area surrounding the Flinders Highway on uh, last Friday and um, or the Friday before. And uh, homicide detectives were called in, thinking the mm. worst. They're trying to find you know what what went on. And, uh, finally, she was found last Wednesday morning by a property owner just about, um, half an hour before they had scheduled a press conference, a police press conference to address mm. the situation. And she had found a, uh, like a, a little buggy from someone's property and mm. had commandeered the buggy. And the, the property owner found her here. And, and, I mean, it's just amazing. They were they they. The police are describing this as miraculous because mm. after seven days, well, she was eight days, but they they basically work on the rule that after seven days, if someone's lost in the bush, they're not really going to be coming on. back. Yeah, um, and so this was just this was just a fantastic result. Uh, she she wasn't really majorly injured. She survived by drinking water out of puddles uh, in the bu- in the bush, and. Um, Yeah, she had a few scratches on her arms and legs and things like this and feet, signs of being in the bush. But overall, healthy, alive, and praise the Lord. So I think my question is, how is it again that she got lost? Like. Yeah, so, uh, police did say that, um, you know, if it's a really hot day, you could get a little bit disorientated and, um, uh, and you can become disorientated quite Uh quickly. And so they suggested that perhaps she, Became disorientated, walked the wrong direction, and from the rest
0: stop, from the rest stop, and yeah. then just into the bush, into the bush, and then yeah. lost for eight days. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> dude, that is the that is a a, a symptom of uh, yeah. I guess North Queensland bushland is absolutely ferocious. It's thick bush, it's yeah. thick
1: bush out there, and you don't want to get caught up and tangled up in there. Ooh. but. Praise the Lord. And she wasn't a trained survivalist by any means of, um, of the word, but she made it through eight days, an eight day adventure out there Mm. in the the Queensland bush. So.
0: Mate, should have went to Pathfinders.
1: Well, that's right. Pathfinders (laughs) is a great place to go if you're a young person to get ready and all, all, get all your survival skills trained Mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's plenty of. Local churches with a program near you. Yeah, that's right. Get some knot-tying skills and survival skills, yep. camping skills. Yep. No, no, I'm, no. A, I'm an avid Pathfinder. I love Pathfinders. Really?
0: Are you, You're a Pathfinder. You'd probably be a Master Guide as well. I did
1: Master Guides. I'm now a Pathfinder Director of the conference. So. Oh, I'm wow. Okay, so you're looking after the Pathfinders, which
0: right. for those who don't know, it's essentially for our church. It's like a form of the Scout program. That's right. Religious Scouts, Christian it's, Scouts. Oh, so good. It is so good. And so many kids just absolutely love it. They make it their life. They have all their badges and whatnot and they're, Yeah, you learn honors,
1: honors. They're not badges. Honors, badges. I mean, you could call them badges. I've never been a
0: Pathfinder, so I have no idea. Okay, you get your honors. One of the amazing things about Pathfinders in the history of Pathfinders is there's a guy, his name is Desmond Doss. Oh, yeah. And Desmond Doss is obviously famous. He's the hero of Hacksaw Ridge. Uh, He was in the movie Hacksaw Ridge. He's the guy who slung, what was it, like 85 people off of the ridge by himself through the night. In World War Two, as um, America was campaigning in the Pacific Theater, and this in the story of Hacksaw where he's lowering the people off of the. Off of the cliff using a bowline knot, tying it around them and then and lowering them down. Just an absolute superhuman feat of strength. Um, It was actually found what they didn't include in the movie, but what's included in the book and in his biography is that he learned that bowline knot in pathfinders. (laughs) Oh yes, he learned it in pathfinders. There's also stories about like him going to Sabbath school and when he got his first Bible after perfect attendance. Like he was a through and through church kid. Going to Pathfinders, going to church, going to Sabbath school. And because of that, like those skills directly contributed. And obviously the leading of God as well directly contributed to him being an absolute hero. We just got a text message through. Dos is a boss. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's that's what we think too. And it's amazing that we've been able to honor him.
1: That's right. And, you know, you do Pathfinders and you find the path. You don't get lost. Yeah.
0: So... That's, that's awesome. Absolutely. I think, I think that's cool too because it's pathfinders in the sense of like, it gives you all these survival skills. And I've been, I have been on some, I haven't been on Expedition, but I went with some kids to do, like, it was pre-Expedition. They were practicing for Expedition, which is their big, long path. Yeah, we got it coming up
1: in the June long weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Not not,
0: not far away. It was actually really cool. I was there with a bunch of kids, and I was the chaplain. So, I was, like, sharing Bible verses with them and sharing talks. And it was over Mother's Day weekend, like, five years ago, which is this weekend coming up. But, um, but yeah, it was awesome to see, like, not only could those kids find paths as in their learning survival skills, but also they can find God as Absolutely. well. They'll be led on a path towards Christ.
1: Absolutely, big plug for Pathfinders. Get get out there, get your kids involved in Pathfinders. Definitely Absolutely, worth it.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: Hey, in another positive news story, we've talked a lot about AI over the last little sure. bit, and um, and often it's in a bit of a negative or a questionable context, just uh-huh, wondering, uh-huh, you know, what could this be? But you know what? I've I've come across this really positive article around the use of AI. Uh, basically, AI has been used to track wildlife recovery from the Black Summer bushfires. Oh wow! Um, um, which is quite amazing, really. What they've done is they've set up about a thousand cameras, um, sensor cameras, um, down in you know South Australia, Victoria, New South Wales, and and they've they've taken just I think it's around seven or eight million photos of mm. of animals as they come past from sensor, you know, when they p- come past a sensor camera, and mm. they've used AI technology to identify more than one hundred and fifty native animals that have come mm. past, and they by doing this they can track and sift through those photos really quickly and basically determine how the recovery of the animals is going. And it's really quite cool to see Mm. some of the photos. Um, And, of course, many uh, millions of animals, koalas, kangaroos, other animals were killed or displaced during the Black Summer bushfires. Mm. And so this is a project that has been supported by um it's a bit of a combined project between the World Wildlife Fund, Conservation International and local land managers, research organizations and really just a really mm. great positive news story of recovering wildlife. Um I was able to jump across to the Australian Reptile Park yesterday, took my little daughter Eden oh, there. Awesome. Yeah, she's it was her first time there. And um it was awesome to read through the signs and see that some of the conservation efforts made mm. to restore you know, natural, uh, animals to their natural habitats. And, and this is a great way that they're using AI to, to achieve that as well.
0: Mm, absolutely. I, I, and I love, yeah, when we can have applications like, of AI like this, this and, um, you know, making music from one artist sound like another artist. That's my favorite <laughs> application of AI right now. Although that second example might skirt around copyright laws pretty heavily. Uh, I really enjoy it. Hey, you're listening to the breakfast show. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, and we are going to have another clue for the quiz. We certainly are. Who am I? In me, all die, but
1: in Christ, all will be made alive. Mm, Who am I? If you think you know the answer to this quiz question, you can text or call it into zero four nine one zero six four six six nine and get your name in the draw to win our Do- Jungle Doctor three
0: book series. Absolutely, guys! Again, that number zero four nine one. 64 You are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. And as I said, I wanted to quickly talk about things that are happening in terms of the Anglican Church because, again, they're seeing such a big... Well, they've already seen incredible shifting this year Um, pri- previous to the coronation with essentially a split within the Anglican Church over the issue of Canon 30B, which was essentially affirming that Marriage, according to the Bible, is a lifelong union between a man and woman, excluding all others. So they annulled that. The the head of the Anglican churches annulled that canon, and that has led to all kinds of controversy within the church. But I just want to quickly talk about something. As you would expect. Yeah, absolutely. But I just want to talk about something that Justin Welby, who's the Archbishop of Canterbury, which is the, basically the Pope, that's like the highest position that you have in the Anglican Church or the president of the Anglican Church. Maybe pro- Pope is the wrong word, but because um, it doesn't necessarily have the, uh, the, the forgiveness implications that the, the Catholic Church does. Uh, he doesn't claim to be able to forgive sins. But simultaneously, um, him being the, the top of the Anglican Church, has commented on the new illegal immigration bill that's been drafted in England that's just come through, calling it isolationist, morally unacceptable, and politically impractical. And he goes on to basically give a speech about how ultimately the bill is an utter utter failure to solve the problem of migrants coming on small boats to America. uh, No, not to America, to England. Uh, He talks about how it's, you know, unacceptable unacceptable and it is actively targeting and disproportionately hurting the poorest countries in the world who are seeking asylum and that the government of the united kingdom is terrible for putting this in and ultimately concludes his speech by saying as one might expect from these benches in the new testament in matthew chapter 25 jesus calls us to welcome a stranger that call has been part of the history and culture of of the, in this country for many centuries, and it was a part, and um, and was a part of the drive for the modern slavery act. I urge the government to reconsider much of the bill, which fails to live up to our history, our moral responsibility, and our political and international interests. Now, I just want to comment on this by saying it, it, what Justin Welby is saying you know, I'm not going to take necessarily a political side here of like, oh, you know, how is illegal immigration affecting England? Because in totality, I don't really know. And that's not why I'm talking about this article. But more that since, you know, we've had this coronation of Prince Philip, Justin Welby has really come out of the woodwork. And a lot of what he says and a lot of the comments have made, he has made, since, you know, connecting with, with prince uh with king charles has been of a political nature he now sees himself as a figure i i from what i can gather from his words now putting himself as a place of of a figure that's very similar to the pope in the sense that the pope is constantly talking about political issues and how they affect the rest of the world and and the country in which he lives in europe and whatnot and justin welby has done the same and it it kind of makes me shiver a little bit because then I read revelation 17 and starting in verse one, it says, uh, then one of the seven angels with the seven bowls came out to me and said, come, I will show you the punishment of the great harlot who sits on many waters. So there's a very prophetic chapter, but to simply explain it to you, I don't have time to do, you know, get through and verify everything that I'm saying, but symbolically, um, this great harlot is a representation of the antichrist in, the Bible, and at this point in time, it's like right to before the end of time. And then we come to chapter 17, of verse 2. So, we've got the great harlot, or the Antichrist. They're sitting upon the many waters, and water in Bible prophecy represents nations, tongues, and people. We see that later in Revelation chapter 17, where it literally says... In verse 15, waters represents nation, tongues, and peoples. And uh, it says, yeah, the, the great harlot is sitting upon the water. So, you know, the great harlot, this antichrist power is spread out to many people. Come to verse 2. The kings of the earth were immoral with her, and those who dwell on the earth were intoxicated with the wine of her immorality. And what this essentially is getting at is that the institutions of the world will... Um, it says be immoral with her and be intoxicated with the wine of the immorality they'll mix and they'll mingle with this antichrist power and that will ultimately lead to um the governments of the world persecuting those who um who truly follow god and what we see here I, I, from i think from god's perspective And what we see in the book of Revelation is then a call against, true religion will be against the combining of church and state. And so when I see religious figures being outspoken about political issues and calling on the government and wanting to collaborate with the government, I always get, yeah, it just, it makes me shiver a little bit. It makes me go, hey, the scenes that we're looking at here are very can become very dark age in nature, this combining of church and state that leads to persecution. But they're also a revealer that, yeah, Jesus is coming back soon. So it's an interesting space to watch. And if you have any thoughts, hey, 0491 064 669 is the number to call or text. I also wanted to quickly talk about Pastor Carl Lentz, which... I said, hey, maybe that's a name that you know. Now, Pastor Carl Lentz was the pastor of Hillsong, New York. And he was the pastor of Hillsong, New York up until the end of 2020, where it was found that he had been unfaithful and had committed adultery um, on his wife of 17 years. And he has like five kids. And as a result of that, he was let go as a pastor and went and attended an institution and some, some rehab and whatnot. And now he's been a part of a documentary. It's called uh, Hillsong, The Secrets of Hillsong. But bef- leading up to the documentary, he did an interview just talking about um, the situation that he's in now because I think for many people they saw controversially that he was made a pastor of Mike Todd's church, which is down in Texas. Um, he, Well, not necessarily fully a pastor, but he's on the strategic team and he is ultimately trying to yeah be one of the leaders in the church to see that church grow and move forward. Now, since all this controversy came out, he's been writing and sharing how he's been fighting for his family and seeking sobriety and healing. His wife has ultimately opted to stay with him, and his family has ultimately opted to stay together, and they're continuing as a unit. Now, him being picked up as a pastor has led many people to... Uh, yeah, grow, grow skeptical, firstly, of Mike Todd's church, which there was also already much controversy surrounding. But furthermore, you know, ultimately saying, what credentials does Carl Lentz now possess to be a pastor after, after cheating on his wife? You know, should he be allowed in that position? And reading this and understanding this, I don't want to justify what Carl Lentz did in any way. And I don't, it totally think that the position of pastor is, is 100% uh, the, the place where he should be. But reading through what he said, firstly, seeing that his wife is on board and willing to stay with him. That's like, awesome. Okay, okay. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's good to see that they've been able to work it out to that point. Secondly, seeing that he is aiming to be, like, he's fighting for his family, he's going through rehab, he's taking all the channels necessary in order to save his marriage, and simultaneously he's seeking sobriety, like, from, you know, alcohol and whatnot. I was really surprised and actually quite happy to see that. And when I read things like this now, I think a lot of what people, the problem that people have with Carl Lentz is that (laughs) <laughs> he preaches lots of heresy, and and then this is kind of the cherry on top is that oh and he's immoral as well. But I think that I see something like this, and like this is obviously super humiliating for him and a huge heartache, and would absolutely smash you as a person. But I, seeing that he's healing from this, he's found a position in a church, which I'm not saying is necessarily the best thing, but I for a figure who is so well-known and like, again, as a, as a Christian person, seeing that he's taking every step and he's, he's actually living up to how the Bible counsels us to heal from things like this. I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy for him. that doesn't mean I go through and watch all these sermons from Hillsong. I'm like, yeah, I believe everything he says. And you know, I agree with him doctrinally and, and whatnot, but I'm like, Good for him. Good for him for trying to do his best to, to save his marriage and, and be the best he can to his kids and his family.
2: You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith
0: FM. Positively different. And, Blair, you are going to give us another clue for the quiz.
1: You certainly are. Who am I? God cursed the ground because I listened to my wife instead of him. That's our clue, our third clue for the quiz this morning. If you think you know the answer for this, you can text it through or call to zero four nine one zero six four six six nine, and you can go in the draw to win our weekly prize this week of. Uh, three of dr paul white's jungle doctor series and that'll be a fantastic gift prize that you can get your name in the drawer so that clue one more time god cursed the ground because i listened to my wife instead of him you can text or call the answer through to zero
0: four nine one zero six four six six nine uh, again that number zero four nine one zero six four six six nine call or text with the correct answer and yeah, you will get that prize.
1: Now, we have a very special guest with us today, and I'm looking forward to having a chat with him. A good friend of mine uh, by the name of Lyle Shelton. Lyle, are you here with us today?
2: Yes, I am, Blair. Good to be with you and Lawson.
1: Hey, thanks so much for taking some time out with us. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm very familiar with, uh, with you and with your work, but our listeners uh, may not be. Um, we've... We're going to get to a book that you've written in just a little bit, but I would love for you just to introduce yourself to our listeners and just tell us a bit about who you are and your family.
2: Uh, No, thanks very much, Blair. Um, Yeah, look, uh, I've been someone who's had a passion for the political uh, area, for engagement as a a Christian, as a conservative, Uh, worked for 10 years at Australian Christian Lobby, uh, privileged to serve there, was involved in the marriage campaign to try and preserve the definition of marriage. We, We didn't succeed there, but... Uh, Nonetheless, I just feel it's important that we keep speaking up for the truth about marriage and family. And uh, in recent years, I've been working um, with a number of minor political parties trying to see if we can pioneer uh, a new political movement that will carry the values of marriage and family, pro-life and sensible economic policy uh, into our political discourse. So so currently, I'm the national director of the Family First Party, and uh, we're in the Early stages of a rebuild of that party. Uh, We've contested three elections in the last year or so. Uh, Haven't got anyone into Parliament yet, but we're certainly getting close and uh, the movement is building. Uh, My family, I'm married to Wendy. We have uh, four children and one grandchild
1: wow that's that's awesome thanks so much um now i i mean it, just that little intro there tells me that you've been very busy over the last twenty or so years um you know getting uh, advancing christian values um, in- society at large and what a great need there is for that and um i I had the privilege of being able to read your book um, I kid you not notes from twenty years in the trenches of the culture wars and um, I had the privilege of reading that um, when it first came out I got in one of the uh one of the pre uh releases with the signed copies I've got my own little version there <laughs> and um uh it's a it it is I'll tell you what it is a harrowing yet inspiring read because of the first hand account you give of some of the major Uh, cultural battles that you've been engaged in over the last 20 years as a Christian advocating for Christian values in public opinion and policy. And I'd love for you to just to share with us a little bit about uh, some of the, uh, you know, what inspired you to write this book? I kid you not. And I'd love to get to some of the content of of that as well. Uh, But firstly, what what inspired you to write this book?
2: Uh, Thanks very much, Blair. And and thanks for uh, getting the book early and uh, for those kind words. Uh, Look, After uh, around about 20 years, I suppose, of of being in this battle, I suppose I'd seen a lot, um, I'd felt a lot, and it was very much on my heart to try and help people understand um, some of the things that go on behind the scenes in politics in this nation, why we as Christians and conservatives find ourselves under attack, uh, to expose to readers some of the dirty tricks of those that um, don't agree with our vision for human flourishing, And so um, I was able to um, go back to my early time as someone who was um, elected to the Toowoomba City Council, my hometown, where uh, very early in my – well, as soon as I was elected, I found myself in the middle of a battle to try and stop um, uh, legal brothels being established in our city because the state government was legalising brothels at the time. This was going back 25 years. And to have – my colleagues say publicly they agreed with me, but then worked behind the scenes to try and undermine me because secretly they really wanted to facilitate the exploitation of young women by the sex trade, uh, or they didn't have the courage to actually stand up. So it's just trying to expose some of these stories. So, the, the, so there's that. there was a battle against um, an extreme form of, of strip clubs that I detail there. Um, I go into my time at ACL where we tried to um, encourage politicians, you know, not to allow Medicare funding for the killing of unborn babies and I took a survivor of abortion through the parliament for a week, meeting senators and opposition leaders and uh, high-profile people and uh, she would say, uh, I survived an abortion if, if abortion is about women's rights, what were mine. So just telling these stories that the mainstream media won't touch. Um, and, and so that's what I sought to do. And, and by doing so, Blair, to try and hopefully inspire people that we shouldn't give up on speaking the truth into politics and and um, public life.
1: Yeah, wow. Uh, well, I remember one of the things that I read in the book that really jumped out to me, you were talking about, um, you, you know, you were noting how as a society, we've become increasingly out of step with Christian values. And I think Anyone who, any Christian who looks around, or even anyone who looks around would agree with that. We're we, we becoming increasingly out of step with those Christian values, with the values that have underpinned our society for many decades. And uh, the Christian church at large has responded to the crisis in two ways. And you, you document this in your book. You, you, you talk about um, they, they've responded to it either through quietism or appeasement. And um, yeah, I would love, love for you to just to share with us and unpack that a little bit what, what you were kind of what your thought is behind that.
2: Yeah, that was very much one of the burdens uh, that was on my heart in writing the book because uh, particularly during my time at ACL, but also when I was on the Tumba City Council, um, trying to get the church engaged in what should be obvious issues of justice for us was very difficult. And uh, the marriage campaign particularly, um, in 2017, or, or the years leading up to 2017, uh, we had a lot of pressure at ACL on us um, to shut up about same-sex marriage and um, and just to go with the flow. Many Christian leaders um, thought it was just an embarrassment to the gospel, so we should just go quiet on that issue and just concentrate on you know other issues, other issues of justice like you know gambling reform or overseas aid. And these were all issues that I care passionately about, but. But they wanted us to ignore the consequences to children of missing out on the love of a mother or a father, which you know, is an obvious byproduct of changing the definition of marriage. You, you have to put that in cement in law. So um, I, I noticed that um, the church was either lacking in courage, didn't want to have the fight in public because they are afraid um, it might embarrass them. Uh, or they just wanted to appease the culture and go with the flow and, and they were the two responses and i don 't see either of those responses in scripture if you look at the prophets if you look at Jesus um, if you look at the narrative of the bible um, our role as Christians is to be ones who speak up for the voiceless uh, and who confront lies in the public square and uh, that's the prophet that's a big part of the prophetic role of the church uh, as described to us in the bible so yeah i wanted to try and inspire you know christians that yeah there's a cost to speaking up but it's the right thing to do and uh, the truth will win out and i just say one other thing where you, you mentioned you know that our society's moved away from our christian values that's true but a big part of it is not because i think people are not open to it they're just not allowed to hear the truth mm. much of what i um document in the book is just the conspiracy of silence from leaders from the media so so the church is part of this by not speaking up people don't hear they don't hear the counter arguments and of course the media uh suppress that and, and just lie about uh the truth and uh i have no doubt that the majority of australians whether they be christian or not if they could hear the truth about the benefits of marriage and family the truth about what happens in abortion um, the truth about what happens to a woman in a legal brothel, uh, they would be with us 100% and certainly the truth about what it means to be male and female um, as opposed to this gender fluid ideology which is being taught to our children and which is harming so many. So uh, we have a crisis in getting the truth out and um, the church's response in either appeasement or quietism doesn't help get the truth out.
1: Yeah, no, I I absolutely agree with you. I think, you know, both both approaches are attractive for various reasons, um, because, you know, it is difficult sometimes to speak to some of the issues that um you know, the defining issues of our day, the these issues around sexuality and gender and and, and whatnot are very much defining cultural issues of our days and i love how you put it there that, that, that the christian has uh, that god's plan for the flourishing of society is very clear in his word and and for for a christian to ignore that to go quiet or to appease on those points I would run very countercultural to the whole you know the the whole book of scripture um,
2: yeah well, well that's right Blair look our quietism our being quiet or appeasing actually hurts people it hurts the vulnerable so because we were quiet during the same-sex marriage debate we now have children being you know produced through assisted reproductive technology who will forever be denied the love of a mother or father Uh, because of our silence uh, we now have gender fluid ideology being taught in the schools and we have an epidemic of children turning up at gender clinics um, being put on puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and some even having surgery. There are documented cases of minors of girls under the age of 18 having had both breasts removed in Australia. I'm aware of at least five cases. There's probably many more. And this is because we have been quiet and have accommodated uh, where the culture is taking us. And um, I, I just believe the truth is on our side, and if we'd had the courage to speak up, people would be with us. But um, evil flourishes in silence and uh, we we as a church have been part of the problem of allowing evil to to flourish by our silence and by not teaching our people the truth about these matters so that they've been confused and felt it's easier just to go quiet than to have hard conversations in the public square.
1: Oh, absolutely, and look, we've um, yeah, we've we've been following along with some of these issues here on Faith FM over the years as well, um, and uh, certainly we've had guests on from time to time to speak to some of these uh, these major issues that are out there in society and how a Christian can respond to the you know be 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 faithful that we each Christian has a call to present the truth claims of Christ and His Word to the world in public and without fear and um, that's one of the things that um, I've appreciated about you and your role over the various capacities over the year um, through from your time at ACL and we've had we've had on here on Faith FM uh, Wendy Francis and others as well who have who have been sharing on some of these points in the past Um, would love to just get your thoughts you were the director of the ACL for was it 10 years?
2: Uh, I was there for 10 years and managing director for 5.
1: Gotcha. Was it um was 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 the marriage campaign was that the the big um issue for for that you were dealing with at the time it, what what just give us a little bit of a coverage of what it was like at your time at ACL.
2: Yeah, look um right from when i arrived there in 2007 we could see that the lgbtiqa plus political movement a uh, small activist movement that had organized themselves politically were um, making inroads into politics in a big way and not many people were noticing and so that was an issue that was always bubbling along in the background it wasn't by any means, the only issue that we concentrated on. We we were active on many many fronts, including issues like gambling reform and uh, advocating for you know more generous overseas aid, uh, homelessness, poverty and justice issues. But but we also knew that this issue of um, of redefining marriage would have massive consequences culturally, disproportionately to many other issues. And so we didn't let it go. And as I said earlier, we copped a lot of criticism from. From our fellow Christians for for uh, engaging in that battle, but uh, we knew that the stakes were high, so we um you know we uh, supported uh, the then Rudd government's move to remove discrimination against same-sex couples. This was about 2009, 2010. There was a, a big law reform process that went on, and uh, we we could see you know whilst we you know have our Christian views about what it means to flourish in the sexual area um we uh supported removing discrimination against same-sex couples but we made it very clear that marriage should be between a man and a woman and your listeners might remember that that was Kevin Rudd's view at the time as well that was Julia Gillard's view that was Penny Wong's view um this changed very quickly as globally activists mobilized and um and managed to you know through uh, uh, through a lot of arguments that were very emotive rather than fact-based uh, convince society that we should move in this direction, and uh, Australia got caught up in um, what was really a global phenomenon from about 2015 through to you know 2017, when when uh, when we lost the definition of marriage in law, and are now dealing with um, you know the threats to religious freedom, freedom of speech. Christian schools now are under enormous pressure uh, because of the change to the definition of marriage. Uh, the activists are going after them with legal suits, trying to stop them employing staff who believe what. The parent community believes about marriage and gender, so it's it's had massive consequences. We saw this coming down the road from as early as 2007. Um, we tried to warn the church, um, and look, obviously people like yourself, Blair and Lawson, you guys have been exceptions in speaking out on your radio program, but but that's very rare. And um, unfortunately, most of the church was silent uh, during that period, or, or didn't want to engage the debate. And um, I think you know we're reaping the consequences of our silence now.
1: Absolutely, we are. Um, And certainly reading your book and seeing the work that you've done over the years has inspired me to develop more tenacity and to better fulfill my Christian duty of being salt and light in the world. So, Lai, we want to thank you for the time that you've spent with us today. Thanks
2: for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.